Yeah, so this is my first, it was my first uh, season of Fortnite that I played through because of Jordan, Jordan forcing me to become addicted to the game. You're welcome. <laughs> and so I played through that today, um, and it was very confusing. There's, a, I think there's a lot of Fortnite lore that I'm really not plugged into. I really had no, no idea what was going on with that. Is there an easy way to explain the, the basic story? Like, you've, you've played the game a lot. Do you, do, you, do you have, like, a way to explain the basic kind of story of what's going on there, or is it just completely incomprehensible? No, not at all. Uh, okay. Maybe Trevor Trevor can. Trevor's piece uh, in the outline, I thought, was, like, a really fascinating look at Fortnite. Like, oh, the Fortnite you. world and, and the scarcity of resources. So, so, Trevor, please help us. What's going uh, on with Fortnite? Okay. Uh, well, um... <laughs> I don't think my piece will help you too, too much. Uh, although I'm glad you liked it. Uh, that was sort of my my efforts to understand Fortnite, like, and just these battle royales in general, uh, which are, I don't know, to me, deeply confusing. Um, but not confusing, but like, what's confusing is like the fact that they all showed up at once, right? Like, uh, all of a sudden we had um, Fortnite and we had uh, PUBG and we had, you know, like every single thing ever was getting a. a, 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 a battle royale mode i don't know if you know this about fortnite but uh before it became a battle royale it was just going to be like a basically like a tower defense sort of game um looked like it was going to be dead on arrival and then they just added the battle royale part and uh made millions of dollars um but yeah no i, I that was my thing i thought you know i guess this makes sense if we're thinking about being in, living in post-scarcity um i will say though post-scarcity doesn't really help explain why like naruto is part of your timeline. Um, <laughs> I, I do also think it's kind of interesting that in um, the world of Fortnite, uh, Martin Luther King is also canon, um, which is really <laughs> exciting. Uh, the, the MLK event was like one of the funniest things uh, oh that God. I remember because they... Very tasteful. Like they, yeah, well, they, they disabled like a couple of the emotes, but you were still able to do like floss and orange justice and like a vast majority of other ones at oh, it, the lincoln steps during the speech it was so bizarre totally incredible like the fact that like not only do i get to see you know rick from rick and morty <laughs> i get to watch him floss like i've never i've never really experienced anything quite like that um just even i'm, I'm not a fortnite player i'm i'm terrible at it i've the few times i've played it have been fun but um i'm just not good at it um which I don't know. Like, it doesn't stop me. I know. I was gonna say this is a baby thing for me to say. Like, you, you shouldn't just stop playing a game because you're bad at it. But I can't. I can't do it. Like with Fortnite, I just like I don't know what's going on. I don't know what any of these guns do. I just like I give up. Um, but I will say I was so pleased that people like like you, Jordan, and other folks were were out there uh, screen capping stuff from that event. <laughs> Um, I will say, probably to me, the the inclusion of canon and like sort of like um, continuity in Fortnite speaks to me to like this odd sense of having to I don't know legitimize something even though it's you know making so much money it's like the you know essentially the standard to which online Twitch based games want to aspire. Um, the fact that even that is still like, yeah, you know, I guess I guess we should probably have some continuity. I guess we need a story is utterly fascinating to me because it's like it speaks to this um, this cultural desire for narrative that I feel like they could definitely make as much money without it. But almost almost in the way that like 
any good prestige TV show needs like a couple of tracking shots where like it's a, you know, like, oh, yeah, we definitely this is definitely something we used a dolly for or something like that. Like, that's what that's what uh, that's what Fortnite's crossing off the list here with these events where it's like, yeah, no, no, no. Like we we did our work. This is this is uh, this is, you know, Beninoff and Weiss approved. Uh, yeah. Kind here, of look, here's the rock. There right. he is. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's in here too. I don't know. Like it is. It, it's odd to me that like they would feel any need to, um, you know, explain why the crossovers happen, right? Because like we just understand that like these games license people, right? Like they license the guy from Free Guy, like the the bad guy from Free Guy. Like it's you know this stuff happens. Um, the fact that Fortnite is is trying to like add some sort of logic to it is fascinating to me. I like I, I I saw the black hole event, but I hadn't seen anything about the new event until you sent me something about it. And this is like uh, this is all brand new brand new worlds for me. Which I think what they're doing, what I sent um, and I just sent to you, Rob, is this thing at the end of this chapter. And this was like were there eight seasons in this chapter at the end of chapter one there were 10 and that was the black hole ending that you referred to and when that happened the game just went dark for like three days and everyone was like what's happening is Fortnite dead is it coming back but now the end of this chapter going into chapter three season one they are incentivizing people to keep talking about the game and tweeting about it and they are revealing parts of the new map if you use this hashtag and I think it's just like, and the fat, the more people and the faster you tweet about it, the more the map gets revealed. So they're mm. like, like kind of like capitalizing on people's addiction to this already super addictive game uh, <laughs> and just getting free organic social reach uh, as part of the process. I think I, it's like brilliant, but like, it just feels so seedy and Rob and I are boldly, proudly, taking a stand against tweeting the hashtag yeah i'm wow. not gonna i am not gonna as an adult yeah. man i'm not gonna tweet the hashtag <laughs> fortnite flipped on my social media i just can't bring myself to do that i have a little bit more self-respect <laughs> yeah. than that i have to, I have much, to say extremely brave of you not to do that yes, thank you um, thank you i do like i think it's weird right like how much i don't know like i guess my question for you guys would be you know we we talk about uh, we meaning sort of like the general group of people that i guess there's like thousands of them at this point but like sort of have conversations around uh us at twitter and i'm sure like you know you guys have a much bigger following than i do so the uh the types of people who are you are uh privy to conversations with uh are increased for better or for worse um but like worse uh, yeah i I, I figured (laughs) but i didn't want to assume um like you know we're all we're all sort of talking about you know met the metaverse and like you know, we have we have bad things to say about often about like, you know, the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the way that everything has become like this continuity driven thing. Like, I wonder. So, like, first off, I wonder how much of this is just because people like like they, you know, Fortnite did some market research and realized, oh, people really liked when we like blew up Tomato Town. Um, and the other thing I'm wondering is, like, is it a mistake? Like, is this ruining Fortnite for you in any way? Like, as people who like to play it, do you like do you find the continuity frustrating? Um, I, I don't find it frustrating because you don't really need to pay attention to it. Like you can totally uh, have an enjoyable time in the game without without thinking about any of that stuff at all. Um, so I don't think so. I guess I, I guess my issue is like trying to, as someone who's kind of just trying to get into it now, trying to parse <laughs> some so, like some story or some so getting like get something out of that. Which has I Jordan quite said you any wikis? No, no. 
Oh, well, that's what I, a good friend does. Yeah. <laughs> on on the continuity thing, my issue, and I know my friends that I like, my core group that I play with, uh, I wouldn't say we take it like seriously, but we're really competitive, uh, and we got really into it over quarantine, um, mm-hmm. and just would play like every night till like four or five a.m. and we would see how many games in a row we could win and all that kind of stuff. And our one buddy just got like unbelievable at it, and we like it, but like. Th- the issue is like they're always changing things and adding things and taking things out like there's always a couple guns that they might like quote vault um which is really frustrating and then the addition of like really bizarre like season specific mechanics or weapons or items just it gets like chaotic like they introduce some like throw some naruto thing that you throw and explodes and then giant mech suits it's like a cool game would be nice like i don't want and then there's like invisible giants sometimes and venom they had a venom tie-in with this giant like hook like hand grapple thing that would like break through build it just gets like sometimes it just gets really stupid and that part ruins it for me just like please please stop we've we just we just want to uh build and fight with guns like there's right there's already like seven mechanics going on here right yeah that's interesting like i i i don't know like i think you know one of the things so um one of the reasons i've come on today is because i recently wrote a book on video games um and what uh, called story mode? I always forget to say that. But, we should uh, probably like introduce you as yeah, a guest yeah, yeah. at some point. Wait, oh yes. yeah, no, okay. Yeah. <laughs> this was just the opening banter. Yeah, uh, and we do we have a we have a hard hitting like opener for everybody uh, oh, that wow. is perfect for you. So we're joined today by Trevor Strunk, who just wrote the book Story Mode: Video Games and the Interplay Between Consoles and Culture. Uh, it's you know. It, we Rob and I were, were reading through it today. It's it's fantastic. Oh, thanks. And um, before we go any further, Trevor, we we ask every guest this same question, and like I said, it is perfect for you. So, Trevor, are you a gamer? Oh yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I, you know, for better or for worse, I, I think at this point, like it's um, it's funny. Like I was I was uh, my dad has a podcast called. Um, uh, it's with a group of writers he he has worked with for a long time. Um, and it, what's funny, of course, is like I had my podcast before he had his. So it's it's sort of like it's the one thing I kind of like predated him on. Um, but uh, he had me on his podcast to talk with his writing friends. And it was like a totally different conversation than with anyone else I've had because, you know, they don't, aren't familiar with video games and stuff. So they were asking me stuff about like the community, about like, you know, like, well, you know, mostly it, it's a predominant like uh, it's predominantly true that women are, are the major buyers of books. Like, how do you like is that and like, you know, men are often the most people who play the most games like, oh, that's sort of changing. It's kind of different. Um, but like I found myself at a certain point being like do I say the word gamer at this point? Like, can I, can I say that? Like, is that a thing? Yeah. Can I I take that back? Um, And, 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 you know, like it is, it's an odd thing if like you are not, um, I don't know. I feel like if you're not someone who uh, games a lot, uh, it can feel, it can feel awkward to call yourself a gamer. Cause at that point you're like, well, do I need a mechanical keyboard? Am I going to have to uh, say goodbye to my family and friends? Like, do I need a yes. bunch of new hobbies? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, the answer is no. Like, you can you could certainly be a gamer and not have to well. worry about that kind of thing. But uh, <laughs> you know, as someone who has made it a big part of my like livelihood, um, yeah, no, for sure. Like, I'm I'm a gamer. I I play a ton of video games. What's your uh, current and, setup? Uh, my current setup. So I've had the same PC for a while, uh, which is great. I bought it. 
Um, I got it when I when I finished um, when I finished my uh, PhD. Um, so I got it in like 2016 um, okay. as like a present, basically. And uh, it's a, I mean, it's a it's a, a Nvidia 1060 uh, at this point, kind of outdated a little bit, but uh, absolutely does the trick. Still, I can play pretty much anything on it. Uh, it's an Asus. It's running, you know. Pretty good memory, pretty good RAM, pretty good, you know, everything. Very good for 2016, fairly good for now. Um, so I don't have to, I don't have to go into the video card wars. Uh, and then, you know, the the appropriate amount of consoles. I don't have a PS5. Um, I thought about trying to get one, and then, uh, you know, like after a bunch of sales where I just opened the thing and thought, oh my god, I can't possibly spend five hundred dollars on this, and then immediately thinking. Oh my god! I hope I can spend five hundred dollars on this. I finally, like, took a hard look at it. And I was like, "What games are out for the PS5?" And I was like, "Oh, not nearly enough to justify this whole rigmarole." Um, right. But other, otherwise, yeah, pretty much. You know, if if they if it's on if it's out there, I can typically play it. So I don't know. I end up I end up kind of playing a a wide variety of things. I'd say the most recent AAA game I've played has been on my PC, um, but via Game Pass. So I've been playing the uh, I've been playing the Yakuza. Uh, series i've started that off which is um, fantastic oh, nice yeah 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 but uh no are, are you two would you two consider yourself gamers yeah i i am okay. i've been <laughs> i've played i've played since i was a kid i got a sega genesis when i was a kid and before that my cousin uh, she had an nes and whenever oh. we went over to their house i got to play nice. mario and i thought that was just amazing and oh you had a much better was... cousin experience than me my cousins had uh had an nes i had i mean i had one at this point too like my dad and mother got me one for Christmas. I think like the year before the Super Nintendo came out. So it was like the guy at the uh, the guy at the store was like, "Are you sure you want to buy this now?" And like, yeah, I, I probably got a nice little discount on that one. Yeah, like well, yeah, me a kid. Yeah, oh, I'll just I'll just wait this. I'll I'll wait for a minute or two. Like I'm sure yeah. I'm sure Miyamoto uh, San is going to get this out to me very quickly. Like I'm I'm very in tune with the uh, with the various trends coming out of Japan. Like you know, I was just like, no, I don't care about this thing that's coming out in a year. I want my Nintendo. Uh, but my cousins never let me play because I was the youngest cousin. So I had to uh, I had to like just watch basically. <laughs> It was awful. You talk about you talk about that in your book. I do. It's just it's like, like it's, it was huge. It's it was so awful. fascinating that people watch games on Twitch now. When like as kids, that was the fucking worst. Why would Absolutely. I want to watch my friend or my relative or sibling, whatever, play a game? I want to turn or play in a multiplayer game. Yeah, exactly. Like it, it. It's like it's such a miserable feeling, but it's only really miserable if you grow up with it. I think where like mm-hmm. if you if you. I don't know, like if you're if if you are a kid and now and you're watching Twitch, like it's not you're not like, oh, I can't wait till I get a chance to do this. You're watching it like in because it, it gives you access to the game and you don't have to pay money to like get a good setup. If you're watching because like, you know, for the same reason I watch the Eagles, like uh, because I hate myself. But, uh, you know, also <laughs> because, um, you know, I can't play football that well. Uh, you know, I'm never going to be able to play football that well. So, like, watching people who are that good at it is, like, exciting and, and fun and interesting. I, I think, like, but but for us, like, uh, for people who were born sort of around when we were born, like, it feels worse. Because it's like, well, no, I can do all of these things. I Video games are about access. So I think that does speak to, like, this difference that's going on where, like, almost almost a weird responsibility if you say you're a gamer where people will be like oh are you good at it like can you do can you game um as opposed to just being like i really love video games and everyone being like well that's fine like i have no idea if you're good at gaming or not based on that you know one statement 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would still qualify myself as a gamer just through my lifetime of, of uh, enjoying them. And I was definitely lapsed. Like, I, I definitely had a kind of a lapsed period over the last couple of years because, mm-hmm. you know, my, my son was born and I kind of got that takes over all your free time pretty much. So uh, I was a little oh, no, bit Rob. lapsed. Sorry? Oh, you're, you're back. You, you, uh, you, you cut out with uh, my son was born. Oh, sorry about that. Um, yeah, no, so... Of course, when you have a kid that eats into all your free time and it kind it of becomes very difficult to to follow through with any kind of hobby or activity that you enjoy doing. But I have been I've been dipping a toe back into the back into that world. So I think I still qualify, even though I don't think I would count myself as being a good at video games anymore. I, I, I still personally think personally, I don't think I don't think you need to be good at video games to be a gamer. That's my that's my hot take. Um, it's interesting that you say that, though, Rob, because like, honestly, I I had the opposite uh, experience where I um when I had my daughter like I just I only had like 15 you know had the way they nap early on when kids for anyone who doesn't have kids in the audience uh when you first have children and they start napping they nap for like 20 minutes at a time and like several times in the day it's very weird it's like yeah it's an awkward time to fill so I definitely I, gamed a lot in those first couple of weeks and months but then then it went away over those okay as yeah time progressed yeah I gamed a lot in those weeks and months and then I got into it enough where I was like maybe I'll start like doing something about this and that's how that's why I started doing the uh that's why I started doing the podcast but like uh no cartridge which is my video game podcast but like which started the book and et cetera, et cetera. But I, yeah, I think like that period of time where it's like, oh, I love having these like 15 minutes I can spend doing like a quest. It's like, it's very much why like a lot of dads now game. It's just like they, they sort of rediscovered it when they were like, I just wish I could do a little more questing. Um, what is your but, favorite game of all time? It's a really good question. Um, oh, that's tough. Um, so there's there's like there's all sorts of answers I could give that would be like way cooler. Um, but the answer sure. I always the answer I always give is um, the game that like probably meant the most to me at the time and uh, I spent the most time with uh, is um, uh, Jack Ryan Radio on the on the Dreamcast. Um, absolutely a huge fan of that game. Um, weirdly like for for its time like extremely anti-police like very very (laughs) critical of the police um mostly just about like um going around and tagging buildings and stuff like that and doing sweet tricks it's sort of like (laughs) if tony hawk were like a smidge easier with tricks uh, i never got the hang of tony hawk so that was good for me and then it also had a uh painting mechanic uh where you had to like copy you know joystick moves to get uh, a good a good uh tag up while police chased you with guns um that was my jam um i guess now probably you know like if i had to pick one that like just based on purely by dint of the amount of time i put into it recently uh would probably be um <laughs> probably be final fantasy 14 which uh i have not played the new expansion of because uh you know thousands and thousands of people are trying to and so it's uh it's tough for us ham and eggers but uh yeah, I that that game is fantastic, and I've spent way too much time playing. I never played any of the Jet Set or Jet Grind Radio um, games, but they always looked very cool. I never had a Dreamcast. I, yeah, I bought a Dreamcast specifically for them, uh, which was like oh, weird. Nice. Like I, I mean, I, I I say that I'm sure my I'm sure like I got it for Christmas or something. Like when the Dreamcast came out, I was not able to buy things on my own in a meaningful way. <laughs> um, but like I like I remember playing that at uh, like you know 
electronics boutique or something and being like, oh, this is like, this is going to change my life. I need to play this. Um, <laughs> one of the only times that was actually true as opposed to, you know, like a demo for like Ridge Racer or something like that. And you're like, oh, this didn't <laughs> change my life. Um, but yeah. Nice. Uh, my favorite game uh, since I've played it has been Fallout 3. I, I put so much time into it. I've played through it. Sweet multiple times taking different approaches and um different levels of karma uh, <laughs> and different actions and megaton and i just thought that game was just really really fucking fun unbelievable like, game I, I feel like that's like a recent classic for people like like one of those like i think that's like a it's a a tough term to actually say something's a like a modern classic um you know like it it feels like maybe that's a that's a stretch at any given point but uh I feel like a, if anything, Fallout Three is like it's it just like it introduced a lot of people to that style of game, um, you know, post Morrowind, but and like you know, people will I think fairly say that Morrowind is sort of a weirder, like kind of like more uh, surprising game or something like that. But I don't know, like so many people were just able to get into that version of RPG playing with Fallout Three. It's like it's an enormously important game, I think. Yeah, I never played any of the Elder Scrolls games. I just thought they looked like way too in intensive and not really my scene. Okay, uh, and yeah, never really fair. was an RPG person until I played Fallout Three and thought it was just incredible. Now, yeah. I think they're fine. I don't think I don't think you're alone. I think like that's like a fairly fairly common experience where like people just people were just like, yeah, I don't know, let's play this game. It looks kind of neat, and then just like just like I can't stop like changing things about what I play in Fallout, I need to figure out every single ending. And then suddenly, like, <laughs> you know, a group, a, a generation of people who are like, I don't really want to play Final Fantasy VI. Like, that seems really nerdy. Just like we're finally <laughs> buying into the, <laughs> the RPG life. So, I never played yeah. Fallout 3 or New Vegas, and I feel like I'm really missing something. I'm really missing out by, by not doing this. I'm Eventually, I'm going to have to bite the bullet and make my way through both of these ones. Yeah, I would say, like... So Jordan also admitted he hadn't played uh, New Vegas, and I'll admit I didn't play all of News, but um, I would say start with New Vegas, uh, not because three is worse, but because three is going to take you a lot longer. New Vegas is a shorter game, um, and once you have a feel for it, I think you'll you'll really enjoy playing three. That would be my uh, my thought, but you really could go either way, and it would be fine. Um, they're neat games. Like I'd worry like with a lot of games that age that they'd like show their age kind of. I don't really think they do. I think they're, I mean, they do in some ways, but like they still are really fun to play. I think like the, the, the battle system and stuff like that is still like pretty fun. Um, and definitely like the choice stuff is really cool. Um, like if you've never done that before that, like that'll feel great. Um, and, and we were talking also, uh, in, in this brief intermission and I know both of you saw <laughs> as with so many video games and and moments of national panic and and crisis the the role video games may or may not have played in causing real world violence has once again emerged with with Fallout specifically Fallout 4 the forefront and this this Michigan shooter this week everything is being like psychoanalyzed everything about him everything he posted and there was like this like access hollywood type clip that was like you know like a six o'clock midday or like a weekday type news clip with this like affable host narrating this the perpetrator's behavior and and pulled a quote from oppenheimer but 
you used a clip uh, of Fallout 4 uh, and Far Harbor uh, exploding to uh, insinuate that this guy was was inspired by uh, N-World scenarios uh, in the Fallout universe. And I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure both of you guys saw that. Yeah, best part of that clip for me was um, was the guy saying um, was the guy saying, and it shows up in a great video game. <laughs> like just like <laughs> this anchor really just loves Fallout Four and its expansions. He's like, this is the one that gets the worst. I rap. finally like, have a way to shoehorn this into my news coverage. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm finally gonna I'm finally gonna help Todd Howard out. Like the way he's helped me so many times. Well, it's interesting too how like news media in the United States has been as long as like school shootings have been a kind of cultural phenomenon, have been trying to make this link, you know, yep. uh, like they've been doing this since Columbine. Um, and it kind of go, they go through this cycle kind of every, every time one of these incidents happens. And it's often part of this like desperate effort to deflect from like all the very real and tangible ways that you can talk about what is causing these, these issues, like the access to the access to weapons and all the other numerous kind of real world things that, that people could point to. And they kind oh, of end up leaning leaning on this idea of, of you know, they played so much Doom too that they they really became so violent. Um, they just never they will never give it up. They'll never give it up trying to kind of make this link between uh, between video game violence and real world violence. I mean, what's so amazing about it this time too is like just the ways that you know this particular school shooting. I, I don't know like how to exactly say it because like it, it, you could you could really overdetermine it too. But like there's so many ways that it like it speaks to a current like American moment, like just, just in the fact, like it would be hard to like, I feel like if I were a a news anchor or journalist, it would be hard for me to not overstate the fact that like the kid shot at the school using a gun, his dad got on black Friday sale. Like that's, that's ridiculous. Like that's like, that's like late DeLillo where you're like, okay, buddy, like calm down. (laughs) Like, Like, uh, I, we loved Underworld, but maybe maybe chill out a little bit. Like, it's so on the nose. Yeah, the like the timeline is just horrifying. So he buys it Black Friday. The kid was, like, posting about it. The mom's posting about it. Like, new Christmas gift. We're going shooting. He gets caught, like, searching ammo in school. And then, like, the day... Like, and then they notify the parents. And the mom's like, LOL, just don't get caught or something like that. And then... Which is just insane. And then, like, the day of which I thought was horrifying. He's like writing all these like deranged things and gets the, a teacher sees it, sends them to the principal's office. The parents that morning go to the school, talk to him. And they're like, no, we don't want him pulled out of school like today. And oh, they really? go home. And then later that day he does it. And then the mom texts him. She's like, don't do it. And it's cause, because they already saw the, they already saw the news about him, like about an active shooter. So she texts the son and is like, Oh, don't do this. It's just really fucking weird. And like you say, it speaks to this, like, moment in America. And also just, like, reflective of this just decline, like, the dumbing down of America. Like, they're obviously terrible parents. And I just think, like, so many of these types of things and other, like, freak occurrences that really mostly only happen in the States, I think are going to continue to, like, sup- maybe not surprise us, but continue to happen just because of yeah. the continual dumbing down of America. This, like unbridled like consumerism consumerism and consumption with so many of these things being pushed to the extreme it's just really really it spells disaster what's ahead but this was a unique one that very clearly had nothing to do with video games i know yeah and that that that, that's the thing like it's 
it is like and and, and the, the dumbing down thing's really interesting because like you know i'm always i'm always skeptical of narratives like that but it's hard not to feel that way especially when like you know people i was reading the comments for the thing and and uh, around the news clip and people were like why did they quote oppenheimer by way of fallout 4 and then people are like well why did you just say oppenheimer it's from the bhagavad gita and yeah. it's like it's like you know winning points on twitter aside like the you know the the fact that it is popularly understood to be from um oppenheimer is sort of, that's sort of like the locus classicus for a lot of people that quote but like it is wild that like the news looked at that and they were like yeah no one's gonna know who this guy is <laughs> it's like let's <laughs> can we do we have a video game that says something about it? Like, can we, can we make it just a little easier? Um, yeah, it's just like it's wild. Like, it's just it's so I can't I can't imagine that. Like, you know, I'm, I'm sure somewhere in some Doom game it says like "Abandon all hope, ye who enter here." Like, I'm sure John Romero included that in some in some map. Like, I I, I gotta be like, you know, maybe it's like the way a level is is done or something. But that is like such a John Romero thing to do. I can't imagine it's not real. Um, and like, if someone found that during Columbine, I can't imagine they'd be like, you know, that this, this miserable, this horrible thing has been quoted. Like, well, maybe they would, you know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm being a little too kind. <laughs> maybe they would do. And you talk in your book about, uh, the, the panic over doom. Yeah. Uh, especially in the wake of Columbine. And I remember you, so you were talking about that game and, and the role shareware played in the popularization of that game. And I remember like, my first introduction to Doom was at the Barnes and Noble in our town. There was like a little computer zone, and this was, I guess, early '90s, and it was basically it was a grill. It was a big thing that the Barnes and Noble had a computer, and it was this big empty <laughs> room with like a bunch of tables, and then like one computer in the corner, uh, and it had Doom on it. And I thought so that was like the coolest fucking Earth. thing. Yeah, yeah. So every time we went to Barnes and Noble, I would go try to play Doom and just hope my parents didn't catch me. <laughs> uh, but usually the older kids were on it. Uh, but I did get to play a couple levels, and I just thought it was really fascinating, really fun. Like my dad played shooters; he had the Wolfenstein games, so I thought oh, it was sure. like fine and cool. Uh, and then just watching all of that just get demonized and blamed for what was clearly just a horrific tragedy and a sign of things to come in the states was just really unfortunate because this really wasn't about the game itself. Like they had a relationship with the game and their personal uh, experiences, but it wasn't. That's not what caused it. Like, there's so many other factors at play there. Yeah, and I just I hate. Like, I hate when this 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 narrative keeps coming up. Yeah, it is. It is this thing where I think like this happens a lot in video games, and it's something that like I I actually really had fun with writing the book was like finding the finding sort of like the way that the narrative does a disservice to to the games themselves, and like this doesn't. I mean, with Columbine, uh, that becomes like extremely serious in, in a way that is not with some things like. You know, like, oh, I like, you know, people talk about survival horror in a way that, like, if you look back at survival horror, it wasn't always talked about that way. Like, that's mostly just fun. Um, that's where the fun comes in. But with Columbine, yeah, it was it was really interesting, especially to, like, look at the people who were who were real proponents of this theory and the people who were real opponents of this theory. And the fact that, like, both really want to find causal links and, like, some easy explanation for why this would happen, right? So, like, you know, your Jack Thompsons or whatever would we're saying, yeah, like, the reason this happened is because uh, of video games. And then, like, anyone who was anti-Jack Thompson is like, actually, the reason this happened is because of, like, um, religion. <laughs> it's like, that that isn't any better. Like, what are you, what are you doing? <laughs> um, so, like, it it is, like, it is this odd thing where 
you know, and in the book, sort of the the punchline to that chapter is um, everyone starts to agree that actually violent video games are really good once they all become military shooters. Um, Yeah. And uh, and like, it's just interesting to see that predicted early on when people are like, you know, it's like, why do why do we all care about this? Oh, it's because we want to like we want to find the the person who's to blame for a school shooting other than the people who did the shooting themselves. because we can't face the idea that it might just be too complicated to ever diagnose. Yeah, the I thought that chapter was really fascinating and thanks. But an area that I think a lot about, read a lot about as is, and just really liked how you uh, condensed it all. And I messaged you earlier. You're you have a passage in there about this level in modern warfare two called No Russian. Uh, and if people if people didn't play that game, Rob, uh, did you it play was with a no level. Russian? Did you, oh well, did you play the level No Russian, or did you play Modern Warfare Two? Oh me? Um, no, yeah. I played I played the original Modern Warfare, but other th- I've never been a huge Call of Duty guy. Is okay. that the airport one though? Is that what you're yeah, referring to? You know yeah, it okay. then. See, I, yeah, I already yeah. know what you're talking about, despite not having played it. Yeah, okay. it's horrific. And yeah. it, it like is. I I was telling Trevor earlier, as I was reading this, it just brought back that like unnerving feeling because you go in there with these like light machine guns and you just mow down everybody. Uh, and then you were ultimately given this ability to just skip the level without any consequence. And Trevor, you, you, I was, I'm hoping you can kind of like synthesize uh, your analysis of that. And whether some people who defended it said, oh, well, it makes you feel something. So it must be art. And then if it is inconsequential to even skip, what's it even matter? Like, what's it there for? Yeah. So uh, it, it's super interesting because like some really smart people on games, like I, I try really hard to be... Um, I try really hard to be fair, but it's tough because, like, there are some people who write about games who say say some things, like, at certain points in their career, I'm just like, oh, come on. No, you didn't. Come on. (laughs) Like, why did you say that? And, like, uh, Stephanie Sterling, um, uh, who um, uh, wrote, uh, they wrote under the name Jim Sterling for a while, um, so that might be why you find it is the only reason I mention it. But uh, Stephanie Sterling uh, wrote an article on Destructoid. about how uh, this, you know, the 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 advent of no Russian um, is a proof that video games now are art. And l- listen, like I'm sure <laughs> if you ask them now, uh, what you know, like if if they really like you know love that analysis, I'm 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 sure they would tell you they didn't. Like I'm sure they would say like yeah, it turned out that wasn't like the truth. Um, but like. The reason I try to be really fair about it is, yeah, okay, like, I'm not thrilled with that analysis. Sterling's really good at writing about video games and talking about video games. And um, also, like, that's, they weren't the only person saying it at that point. Like, that that was a common belief. Um, and so, like, it, it was, like, it's interesting because the first time, it's probably the first time that, like, a trigger warning uh, discourse came up around video games. And during this first time of it coming up, people were, like... People are like, okay, because there's a trigger warning, because we can get past this, A, it indicates this is a very challenging game. But B, and this is very common in, in, in like trigger warning discourse, you know, if we if we allow people to to skip past this and they won't know about the horrors of war. Like meanwhile, like the the level itself, like, you know, super interesting and all, like, you know, interesting that anyone even was able to like get, you know, whatever uh um 
oh, well, I'm forgetting who made these games, but um, uh, you know, get get whoever like was involved with uh, decision making to sign off on a level where you do like <laughs> a, a false op by mowing down civilians. Like unbelievable that they were able to get that approved. And um, I mean, definitely when I think about learning about the horrors of war, I immediately reach to a Call of Duty franchise. Is yeah, right. The, and that's the other thing. Right? Like, you know, a the Call of Duty franchise is not going to teach you about the horrors of war. And B, like if you, there's a really interesting interview. I think like one of my favorite primary sources I found in this chapter uh, and maybe in the book was this interview with um, the, one of the designers of the level. And they ask him, they're like, Oh, you know, like, was this like, did you think like this was like really important? And like, honestly, he has like, he, he sort of says like, Oh yeah. Like we, we totally like, we, we thought we were definitely pushing the boundary, but like, he basically is like, yeah, I thought it'd be a neat way to set up the plot of the game. <laughs> it's like, Jesus. that does. And I mean, like in, in a way it totally is like, you know, the plot of the game is you were, you know, betrayed by these Russians. Um, and yeah, okay. Like if you're talking about the plot of a, of a, of a video game, like that totally sets that up, but you're also like the, the kind of like easy, easy elision there is like, you know, Hey, do we go too far? And then saying like, no, it's art. Um, I'm, I'm open to, to conversations that say like, no, it's a necessary level or like, yes, it's not like it. The problem with no Russian is like, people played it and felt uncomfortable. Like you said, Jordan, like it makes you feel kind of gross and scared and like weird about like, it's, it's a very like awkward and, and disturbing level to play in the video game. And like people played it and then just decided like, I don't feel good. And I'm playing a video game, which is supposed to make me feel good. This must be art. And that like for so long now has been the, like the standard for thinking about like what counts for like significant uh, storytelling in video games, like even outside of art, like did it make you feel bad? Uh, then it's probably like a good artistic video game. Did it not make you feel bad? Well, it's probably fun, but not important. Um, and I think no Russian is like a big, a big part of that. There's these, like, you know, a lot of people like to project their views onto not just military games, but also military like movies or shows or whatever. Of course. Um, and I've always maintained that, like, they all just kind of miss the miss the mark. Uh, there really can't be, maybe with seldom exceptions, like a a, a, a meaningful piece of anti-war film or game, because they like the the violence and sensationalism inherent in these things just still kind of uh, detach the viewer from the actual horrors uh, of war. But one of the consequences of the sensationalism. Uh, is illustrated in the most recent modern warfare game with the use of white phosphorus <laughs> as a bonus kill streak, and this yeah, is something it, that it's not even boils it's not even in the meta, skin. Jordan. It's not right. even in the meta. <laughs> that, that, that part made me laugh because it's like it really wasn't useful. Um, that was the last one I played. I got to the point where I was just I had so much guilt even playing it, uh, and this is also around the time when the the military like ramped up its Twitch recruiting efforts with that game. Oh, and I just felt yes, yeah, so sure. fucking seedy about all of it. I just stopped playing them altogether. But yeah, it really gross, was yeah. not, it wasn't even useful. Yeah. I loved, I loved like reading that because it, it was like, it was the perfect distillation of, it was the perfect distillation of like exactly what's going on with, um, with any given like call of duty game. When you're talking about like, Oh, like, you know, what is its, what is its fidelity to like, the horrors of war it's like well ultimately people aren't playing this to get a sense of like 
what happens in the horrors of war. So like anything you're worried about being like a war crime, uh, don't worry unless it is very useful, in which case everyone will use it constantly. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, like that's, and you know, the conclusion I come to in the chapter is basically like, you know, you know, I spent a lot of time with America's army in that chapter. Um, and that's the other uh, primary source. I think I'm most excited about, I don't know. I, I go back and forth. My, my favorite thing with writing this book was finding a bunch of primary sources. I like, I basically, while I was look, while I was like looking through the archive of the internet, I was like, you know, crossing my fingers and being like, I hope these exist. Like, I hope, <laughs> I hope somewhere there was an interview with like one of the people who made uh, America's Army, and then like, lo and behold, uh, IGN did an interview with like the recruiter who who did um, America's <sighs> Army, and it's like, oh, thank God, uh, thank God, someone decided to do this really bad idea. Um, but like, you know that was another one of the primary sources I was like fascinated by because like, it was like the, you know, they asked, they asked the guy's name's Casey Wardinsky and they asked him like, Oh, like, is this, this good for recruitment? And he was like, eh, it's fine. <laughs> it's like, you know what, whatever. Um, and they were like, well, what do you say to people who like kind of say like, maybe it's a little like uh, predatory to have um, the military give out like a free recruiting game. And he was like, yeah, you know, we're just trying to, like, make a video game. It's like, we mostly just care about making a video game. And it's just this weird, like, like either he's lying, which seems more likely, and it's like, you know, it's a PR fluff piece, and that's frustrating. Or he's telling the truth, which is way worse. Um, and, like, you know, it, it ultimately, like, the, the conclusions I came to were, like, you know, America's Army was not a good thing and shouldn't have existed, though free, you know game that got people involved uh, with the military via a recruiting standpoint uh, because they liked video games is bad. Um, on the other hand, it's like, you know, the 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 real recruiting games are stuff like Call of Duty. Like, people will play those and want to, you know, join up um, because, like, it's fun getting multiplayer kill streaks. Uh, and so, like, ultimately, the, the kind of, like, future I see, I saw in FPSs was non- uh, non-military FPSs and just like the total absurdity and like offensive, uh, like you know, all the all the like the the garbage, toxic environments, and then the responses to those that exist within like Doom multiplayer or like you know any given multiplayer. How like stupid and disassociative and I mean Fortnite's that way, right? Like you're not thinking about shame because it's so disassociated from that. Um, yeah. The violence is absolutely secondary, even to like the chat function. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's cartoonish yeah. um and it's much more e it's much easier for the military to use games like call of duty to recruit when a they're they're advising and helping shape and you know signing off yep. on some of these games and the realism elements and then just using those tournaments to recruit or or at conventions or sponsoring launches or showing up at like game stops when the games come out and like i mentioned earlier playing those games on their twitch channel and like lying to kids about signing up to win controllers and shit and it's actually tricking them into signing up signing recruiting forms like it's it's so it's so much more opaque when you're kind of like a secondary figure in that broader like battlefield and call of duty uh universe yeah and like it's it's, it's a funny thing because like you know there's there's easily sort of and maybe people are like yelling at us about this right now who knows but uh <laughs> you know there it, it's like it's certainly possible to to say like well you're you're doing the same moral panic right like this is the same moral panic that you just chastise people for having about columbine um 
And like, I, there's something to that where you say like, yeah, okay, like I I agree that like just because someone put out a military shooter doesn't mean that um, you know all of a sudden kids are going to join the military. Like it's not monkey see monkey do. But you're right. Like I think the thing to, to to focus on is the actual sort of like collusion between the the Infinity Ward. That's who makes uh, Call of Duty. Infinity Ward and the military, um, and the way that like. You know, the military is not going out of its way to say, like, hey, kids, like, the military, like, when you go to war, it's not, like, Call of Duty. Like, they're not, they don't, they, they want people to think it is, right? And so, like, that that element, that sort of, like, soft collusion is why those games are so much more successful than something like America's Army, which has to be, you know, a, at least a little more bound to, um, you know, people saying, like, well, here's what we do in the military, um, and so like, you know, it's, it's less fantastical. It's less like, you know, you're not pulling off sniping moves or whatever. It's much more like squad based, slow, et cetera. Um, what, so we were talking about favorite games. Uh, you both got to chime in and it's a good opportunity to, yeah, it was a good opportunity to bring up another section of your book as well, because definitely it's hard to decide which which Metal Gear game belongs in my, in my favorite <laughs> games. Probably my favorite Metal Gear game is, is Snake Eater. Okay. But I think Metal Gear Solid 2 Sons of Liberty is the game that I recall playing in 2001 and feeling very kind of confused by a lot of the <laughs> stuff that goes on in the ending. And that is really a game that has become so much more resonant, I think, in this oh, kind of God, weird, yes. modern, post-truth, uh, you know, QAnon world that we're now kind of inhabiting. Um, For sure. No, yeah. it- you know, one of the I'm I'm kind of hard on Snake Eater in in the book, and I should say, um, I'm hard on Snake Eater as a game, like a uh, narrative piece, as a like as a video game. It's great. Like, yeah, it's like it's so fun. Yeah, um, I remember doing the like the the sniper battle, the kind of war of attrition sniper oh, boss fight, end. and just and really feeling like this is feels like something really different from anything that. I've ever I've ever really played before. At that no, moment. totally. I love that's like that's one of my favorite like Kojima tricks is that uh, if you're if you're playing uh, if you're playing that fight and uh, you just so for anyone who hasn't played uh, Snake Eater, the end is uh, one of uh, you know your your former ally, the bosses, um, uh, you know colleagues that she fought with in I believe World War Two. I lose some of the the older. It's a very um, complex mythology. Yeah, and the older <laughs> stuff isn't as as like actually like dealt with in games. Like you get basically you get uh, you know Korea ish, Vietnam ish to the future. Um, but like uh, the boss, is, one of her friends is is named the End, um, and they're all obsessed with something about war. So the End is obsessed with death, um, naturally, and uh, he's also like an incredibly ancient man, <laughs> like just like super old. And like everyone, you know, the the Russian general she's working with is like, is he still alive? Like, he seems dead to me. And they're like, no, he's good. He's still alive. He's like really good. Um, But if you if you turn if you like start a battle with the end and just like leave it on, like, I think I think even if you just like revisit your save like two weeks later, you win because the end has died because you've waited him out long enough and he is like he's died of old age. Um, and so you can you can win the war of attrition that way too. You can just wait him out until he dies of old age, which I thought, you know, like fair play to Kojima on that one. That is a that is a very funny way to <laughs> to upend uh, expectations. Um, but yeah, no, I like it's a cool game, and like honestly, the variety of enemies is really neat. Um, I think like the 
thing about Snake Eater that bugs me is how much it how much it abandoned uh, what Sons of Liberty was doing. And like Sons of Liberty is really complicated, but like you know one of the one of the biggest villains uh, to me in thinking about video games over the past you know however many years, particularly in like the late '90s, early-ish to mid-ish 2000s, is um, and it's like you know this shows my age and also my my propensity for holding a grudge um, is uh, um, Penny Arcade. I think like. You know, so like I, I first like discovered Penny Arcade for my book when uh, I mean I, I knew about Penny Arcade, the classic uh, web comic. But um, <clears throat> in the book, I when I was thinking about America's Army, there was like literally an article where uh, the writer of Penny Arcade was like, huh, "Yeah, okay, my wife is one of these people that also thinks that the military should make a video game." But guess what, losers? America's Army is good and important. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, great! Like this is." Again, I have found something perfect for my book that somehow exists. <laughs> um, but uh, the the other thing about Penny Arcade is that like they are also they're also like the one of the earlier uh, adopters of like uh, LOL like this this game doesn't make any sense, um, and it's like it, it does make sense. <laughs> like if you if I, like if I was playing at a sixteen or whatever, like it would not make sense to me. So like. No, no, no aspersions cast upon you, Rob, for not getting it when you played it in 2001. I think <laughs> yeah. like it is a it is a complicated game. But the whole I loved point it, of, but I just didn't I didn't get it. Right. The whole point of the game is that you're this guy who you're right. You play as Raiden and Raiden is a guy who is constantly being lied to, who is like who exists within a simulation effectively, um, who like has to find out like by way of the simulation falling apart, real people dying, actual sort of terror attacks that are then like, you know, um, are then like sort of like uh, subsumed by the simulation only to find out he's trying to become like, you know, some enemy actors trying to make him the new solid snake. Like it is, it is this massively confusing and, and you know, deeply, I don't know, like it, it, it doesn't make you feel good. I'll say that like, it's 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 an amazing game to play through and an amazing game to kind of like okay I'm gonna think about this I'm gonna like work through it I'm gonna play it um, it is like a really depressing game if you stop and think about what's being done to your your protagonist um, and also really really lines up with what goes on in the Metal Gear games to begin with which is that Snake is constantly saying like no there's not like heroes aren't real please do not ever think that heroes are real. I am not a hero. I'm just a guy who's here. And like someday I'll be gone. And um, I'm also like just as disposable as everyone else that like we've, we've sort of seen here today. Um, like that's, that's the point of the Metal Gear Solid games. And uh, people got so mad that uh, snake wasn't the main character that Kojima kind of like refigured that in three, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Well, I People, remember that feeling too of like playing through. You play through that little demo. It, it starts with the demo on the on the yeah. boat. I remember in, in, back in the the PS2 days, and I really love the original too. And then it's like that it completely like takes you out of it, like subverts all your expectations for the game right away. And you're, you, it's the con, it's this constant sense of feeling the rug being pulled out from under you like throughout the whole course of the game. Exactly, and like the way Raiden exists in the game is like as sort of an he's much more a feat. Than Snake, he he sort of like he has like I think like 
people I've, I've heard a lot of people uh refer to him as like essentially just like a twink like a lot a lot of my fans and like the gay like not fans but my listeners and like the gay, the lgbt community will be like oh yeah of course they didn't like ride and he's just like a twink like he just exists exists to like completely frustrate uh kojima uh fans like he's not masculine he's like sort of like he's he's the opposite of snake right like he doesn't trust himself he's very thin and kind of like retiring he he has this girlfriend who keeps talking to him and like you know he he just constantly like says like rose are you there like what how are you rose and she'll be like have you forgotten about the day that we met um like it's it's a it's a much different character um but it's not the same character which is the whole point as i said of metal gear solid one and then because everyone hated it so much um kojima just brought back essentially solid snake again for um metal gear solid 3 and it, like it the series is interesting from then on but never actually regains its like approach which to me is a real shame um but yeah the, that's the thing that i was kind of getting at too is that the way that in in 2021 a lot of the kind of story elements that it kind of hints at towards the end it becomes so much more resonant yeah um it's so it's an incredibly prophetic game. I know you touched on this in the episode you did of your show with uh, with Felix Biederman. Yeah, I was gonna say one of the one of the first like one of the first episodes I did of my show that I think uh, a bunch of people listened to was the one with Felix, and like that was one of my favorites too because like it was just him sort of saying like everything that we have talked about in like the last few years uh, is just like you know this is something that. Uh, Hideo Kojima sort of like touched on in this game and he's not wrong like there's like there's a bunch about modern America that is like caught up in the fact that you know as a as a player in the game you can't really like you literally cannot trust anything like you get orders from your commander and he's like if you disobey these it's treason and then he just like you find out that he's a glitching computer program or like you know your girlfriend who keeps asking you to remember something well she's also like fake Right. Like, like nothing, nothing in the game is real um, to the point that like even your mission. Right. Which is like, well, you have to find the terrorist solid snake. Um, you are be you are in a simulation meant to create a new solid snake for the bad guys. And like it, it's just like it is very post truth. It's very much a game about like, you know, what happens when you're constantly being lied to. Um, and I think like, you know, just like the way people feel disillusioned, the way people act when they feel disillusioned, uh, you know, the different ways between like, you know, the the protagonist and Raiden and then like the antagonists in uh, in Dead Cell, um, you know, they're also acting because they feel disillusioned and just the difference between the way that they handle it um, and the fact that like, you know, given given the right situation, you could see your main character acting in the same way as like the terrorists is like super interesting. Like that's, that's not something that games were really doing in 2001. So yeah, I, I have a real, real soft spot for um, Sons of Liberty. Um, I, I feel like, I feel like it was unfairly not that, you know, it's still a beloved game and like, it's not like, Oh, the franchise disowns it or something, but I feel like there was a whole storyline that it was following that, you know, a little bit of it is covered in metal gear solid four, but like the, the, I don't know, the spirit of it just isn't. Even that nude section. <laughs> Love the nude section. Love it. Absolutely. Because they it 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 uh it, it I builds. just remember being like, what am I looking at here? What is going on? What yeah, is this just game? Like, I just it totally just geeked out a bunch of like yeah. extremely homophobic like fifteen year olds. <laughs> like, I can't see this. Um but like I also think it's it's so smart because like 
it's just an intensification of the torture scene in Metal Gear Solid 1 in that like okay now now you're not just like trying to escape like without your guns you literally don't have any clothes like you're just being completely laid bare um I don't know like there there's there's a lot in that game that just you know basically takes what had been happening before and you know I don't say this like it it just like it takes everything to its natural um in a way that I really really wish they would have continued and I guess like you know I I say this but they they did continue some of it it's not like it's the only time this ever happened in video game history but like man I just I love the way that game ends I love the fight with Solidus on the on the you know the the capital I love the fact that like at the end of the game even then like even though snake is back it's still not like hey like you know i'm here the hero's here it's just it's still like you're gonna have to figure this out on your own kid um that's just it yeah i never played it i never played any of them so i don't oh you should play too i know i know i need to i you know honestly here's here's a here's a uh here's an unpopular opinion um but but one you'll you'll get my honest take on i think you should start um I don't think you need to play Metal Gear. Metal Gear is is uh, just not very good. Um, it's neat for what it was as an NES game, but like, I, it's like you really don't need to bother with it. Um, but I would say start with Solid Snake, Metal Gear Two, Solid Snake, um, which was only released for the MSX, but is available. They've made it available a number of ways after after the series became popular. Um, you can also just emulate it, which is the easiest way to go. Uh, <laughs> that game is great. Like that game is actually like remarkably good, and uh, and sets sets you up in a lot of really interesting ways if you're if you're coming in blind to Metal Gear and uh, Metal Gear Solid Two. So I would say play that game because I, I think it's I think it's really worth your time. And uh, and then yeah, definitely two uh, and and one. So Metal Gear Two, Solid uh, Metal Gear Solid One and Metal Gear Solid Two are just you know basically a perfect trilogy. Well, Jordan, I got to I got to offer you a belated congratulations. It's been a slow 2-year process, but it's finally a full gaming podcast now. Thank you. <laughs> I'm happy. It's impressive. Thanks I've, for letting I, me you do know this what? to you guys. I I've been diligent, I've been patient, and yeah. I've been slowly chipping away set to to what our original concept was, which was, you know, following kind of the progressive and leftist movement in American politics. And to focus on what truly matters in this yeah. world, and that's gaming. And you I finally got us here. We got a full yeah. gaming episode. I can't, <laughs> amazing. I can't, I can't say how happy I am. Couldn't be more excited to be part of it, honestly. Um, <laughs> well, Trevor, it was it was a real pleasure to uh, to talk to you about all this stuff. Absolutely, you know. Thanks for letting me. Thanks for letting me uh, rattle on about it. It's uh, you know, I think like for for whatever you know, for whatever I expected from the book release, I didn't expect as many people to like it as uh, do. Um, uh, that that's like the closest they'll get to bragging. I promise. Um, you like can brag. You wrote it, a book. That's difficult. Feel free yeah, to brag. You should yeah, brag. I'm, brag. I'm low. I I'm so bad at at like bragging. It's just it's one of those things. But the uh, <laughs> you know like I I think one of the reasons that um, people did end up liking it was like it is. I can't lie about being like enthusiastic about this stuff. Like it's very hard to. To pretend like I don't care about it because I really do. Um, it's like you know the thinking about games as a medium and breaking away from like thinking about them as art and just like kind of saying like okay like what games are really good and really work? What games sort of like disappoint me but are still super interesting? Like what's going on in in with regards to Fallout and Apocalypse and like the way that's an American version of Apocalypse versus a Japanese version? Like all these questions I had are like 
I was fascinated to find out how much video games kind of already answer their own medium-specific questions. So, I mean, ultimately, I think it's good that you guys are doing a video game podcast because it's uh, it's the future. Uh, it's it's this. you know, it's the only medium that counts. <laughs> that's right, <laughs> and that's why we do this. That's why we fight yeah. for gamers' rights. <laughs> that's right. Uh, <laughs> the book is called Story Mode: Video Games and the Interplay Between Consoles and Culture. Trevor Strunk is our auth is the author and our guest today. Thank you, Trevor. Uh, we'll put the link to buy the book in the show notes, but where can people follow you and your work elsewhere online? Uh, so uh, my Twitter is at Hagelbond. Um, you may you may know it from the Stephen A. Smith tweet. That's usually where people know me from. Uh, you know, as 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 people who have had uh, viral tweets before, I'm sure you know the the joy of, of being only known for one thing. Um, but <laughs> that's fine. I like that tweet. Uh, but Hegelbahn, I'm, I'm posting there all the time, a lot of times about video games, but also about sports and, you know, politics and stuff like that. Um, and then I have a podcast called No Cartridge. Uh, it's coming up actually. I don't know if by the time it comes out, this will, it'll have been there, but it's coming up on its 200th episode, um, which should, you know, I, it, it's been, uh, not the evenest, uh, release schedule of all time, but I, I'm pr- proud of that. Uh, but basically similar conversations about video games. If you liked what we heard here, I think you'd like it. Um, and that's on everywhere. That's, um, you know, it has a Patreon, but there's a bunch of free episodes everywhere. Uh, just, you know, whatever podcatcher you happen to use. Um, so yeah. And, and the book's available as far as I can tell pretty much everywhere. Although currently at the time of recording, I think Amazon has all the stock. You can't get it at like Powell's and stuff anymore, which is weird. Uh, but you know, that's, that's what Jeff Bezos does. We love it. We love our supply chain crisis, don't we? We do. <laughs> We're hearing it more and more. <laughs> Trevor, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you, Rob. I really appreciate you guys having me. All right. Take care. Take it easy. Thank you for listening to The Insurgents. Please remember to subscribe over at theinsurgents.substack.com. Find the podcast on all your favorite podcast apps, and please remember to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It's very helpful, and we appreciate it a lot. But please, again, don't mention Ken Klippenstein in the review. He is banned from the show. It's a lifetime ban, so please do not mention him in the review. And we'll be back later this week with more of the content that you know and love. Goodbye. Goodbye.